Sister Power. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode quattro of Sister Power. The David Bowie episode. This is the David family deep dive into everything David with your hosts, David and David. <laughs> we even will call each other David. That's how deep our love for David Bowie goes, because there's nothing better that you could call someone Other than, than David. Their name. Yeah, it's because we're a David family. How did this special relationship with David Bowie start? I think it goes back to your your young childhood. Yeah. So, yeah, you showed me his movie Labyrinth, that super iconic 80s Jim Henson movie he was in. And I think from there, I just always loved him and got super into his music and his movies. And he's one of my biggest inspirations, thanks to you. I mean, you took it to the next level, for real. <laughs> you got to show me a figure that I am inspired by. Yeah, our fandom <laughs> grew grew at the same time. I love him. I think that um, you just took it. You took it to the next <laughs> level, and now you're you're showing me David Bowie songs that I didn't even know yeah. that I like. So we have a couple things we need to get through. And then I think we're going to just deep dive a little bit on each album. Talk There's about the stories, stories behind the music. There's so much. So much information. There's so much to get to today. inject into your mind. We have a lot to do. Let's yeah, get to work. Why. Let's go. So around three years ago, I think, I went up to New York to visit you and go to a performing arts camp, and we used that opportunity to go to the Brooklyn Museum's David Bowie Is exhibit, which it was its last stop in New York. It was never going to be done again, and we got tickets and waited for hours in line. We had two different days. We waited four hours each yeah. day. The first day, <laughs> we, we waited four in. hours in the sun. It was so hot. And we got the tickets. The next day, we had to come back and do the wait again just to get in. But they were playing such good music in the lobby. We knew it was worth it. It was incredible. It was great. They had all the clothes. They had all the instruments. All the costumes. So they much had live video footage. It was awesome. It was probably one of the best museum exhibits and memories. However, <laughs> it led to one of our most vicious and long-running arguments. This argument concerned the nature of one of David Bowie's early artistic periods. I have a feeling that not many people know about this surprising origin. It's not that surprising. David Bowie, around the time he was getting serious about playing music, was at the same time flirting with the idea of becoming a mime. <laughs> Which is awesome. I want to be a mime. I can see how miming relates to movement, makeup, costumes. Acting. But it is completely theater. silent. And that beautiful music, that voice, was silenced by his miming. <laughs> how can you take away one of the most 
crucial aspects of David Bowie by letting him be a mime. Now listen, I don't think this is a huge argument. Look down the line. Did he become a mime or a musician? I think he became a musician slash actor. But he used his mime talents to set him apart in those roles. Maybe we should come to an agreement on the mime period. My proposal is that David Bowie as a mime was not his best choice or his best period or the best way of expressing himself, but maybe in a way it was a crucial stepping stone to the Ziggy Stardust era. I agree, but, but I also think that him learning how to be a mime really helped him later in life because you can see like mime movements that he does like in different movies he's been in or like his live concerts he uses it a lot to make his concerts the theatrical concerts they were so i think it ended up helping him in the end agree to disagree agreed i'm an alligator i'm a mama papa coming for you i'm a space invader i'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you have probably heard of the movie Perks of Being a Wallflower. I've heard of it, and I've read the book. It's great. It's a great movie. You think it's great? I mean, it's like, it's a good book. They did the movie pretty well. It's just like a nice young adult movie. I have a weird relationship with coming-of-age media. I feel like I never really came of age, so it's hard to relate. (laughs) Well, it's like better than like what's coming out now, where it's like, you have a disease where you can't go out in the sun and then you meet the love of your life. Like Twilight? Those, no. <laughs> like, those are the kind of things that are coming out. But this is, like, this one is actually pretty good. And so, anyway. I'd rather watch, like, Euphoria than no, something yeah, like this. Definitely. Okay, but anyway, agreed. moving on. The main thing. Mira, go ahead. The main part coming out of this is there's an iconic scene in it where they're driving across the bridge. And so, this guy's new, like, hipster, artsy vinyl playing friends start playing a song on the radio and it happens to be one of bowie's most famous songs heroes from his heroes album and title track yeah they don't know what song this is famous for a while now okay so let me get this straight the protagonist is coming of age he meets these cool cool young things cool young things new friends they're starting to hang out they're really they're driving over a bridge and they're listening to the radio yeah so heroes comes on Mm -hmm. what kind of radio station like a classic rock station or a hits station i'm assuming 
classic rock. So like a rock station, Heroes comes on. Yeah, as it usually and does. And they're having like a little moment, and none of them know what the song is. Yeah, they're like, what's this song? I don't know. I'm really and glad you brought this up, because this is a really interesting, I don't know. Like, why would they not know the song? Well, look at the song Heroes. Number one, even if you don't know shit about David Bowie, that's one of the most Bowie-sounding songs. You know it's Bowie when you That is such a Bowie-sounding song. I mean, his voice is just like, we can be heroes! Just for one day. Yeah, it's, you know exactly, oh, by the way, we just did two really good David Bowie impressions. (laughs) So, a little bit of history on the song Heroes. Number one, he played it at Live Aid. I don't know if people remembered Live Aid or rewatched it, but I feel like today people watch the Live Aid performances all the time on YouTube. So it would be like, you know, pretty well known. Like you've heard of it. Maybe they made a whole fucking movie about Queen playing at Live Aid last year. Yeah. So fun fact. He played this um, when the Berlin Wall was up, and he played it on the west side, I think. But he made sure the stage was close to the wall so that the people on the east side could still hear the song. And so... What year? um, I forgot when the Berlin Wall came down. Oh, so it was like right before it came down? It was like right before it came down. That's the late 80s. Literally, Germany credits Bowie for helping inspire them to take down the wall. They thanked him when he died. That's incredible. He's a lifesaver. I think almost every country should thank him for something. But that's cool (laughs) that that's what Germany decided to thank him for. There's like a lot of history behind this specific song, which is so iconic. So Heroes is one of his biggest songs. It only went to number 193 on the U.S. Top 200. But I feel like it probably got some good airplay on rock stations or alternative stations. Bowie was in kind of a weird place in the early 90s when the scene takes place. I'll summarize briefly. He played a disgruntled restaurant employee in the movie The Linguini Incident, (laughs) which I think we should watch. Definitely. He played FBI agent Philip Jeffries in Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. And he also was pretty active in music. This was the Tin Machine period, which is not, you know, people don't really look on that fondly but i think he was in the spotlight two albums came out i mean yeah like it's not like he wasn't doing nothing he was touring too and he did a he did a tin machine tour the sound and vision solo comeback tour and in 1993 he released black tie white noise which i actually like and we'll talk about that later we'll talk let's let's agree to talk about that later yeah because there's a lot to say about black tie white noise okay so if you're in high school, chances are you're not listening to fucking Tin Machine. No. You're probably not listening to Black Tie White Noise. But if you're Because like, that's a very middle-aged album. If you're listening to like vinyls or cassettes, like there's obviously going to be Bowie at those stores. Chances are you're going to listen to the Ziggy Stardust album. Yeah. Like you're going to listen to like Low or something. Yeah. And if you've listened to those albums, it's really not hard to be like, oh... This is obviously David Bowie singing. But also, maybe maybe it's just that this kid and his friends are just not as cool as they let on. Yeah. 
But what I that think might be the answer. I actually have an idea. This is how they could remedy the situation. So Parks of Being a Wallflower is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Netflix, I am calling upon you to shoot a post-credit additional scene in which the characters who are in the car go to a record store and say, hey, uh, we were having a moment last night, a real coming-of-age moment, and a song came on the radio. It went, we could be heroes just for one day. And the record store clerk just looks at him and goes, It's Heroes by David Bowie. Duh. You don't know Heroes by David Bowie? You I, guys are a couple of idiots. Get the fuck out of my record store right now. I mean, that's probably what happened because later on in the movie, they're, they're like, ashamed I found to say it. it. They have it in a cassette. They found it eventually. They probably just didn't want to show that really like, embarrassing moment. Here, you want the you want heroes on cassette? Here it is, thirty bucks. <laughs> they're like it says nine dollars, thirty bucks, <laughs> and they're punished loudly How and brutally. How dare you not know who Bowie is? I think we can agree, these teenagers were just really stupid. I think we need to stop saying let's get to it later. Let's go on a deep, comprehensive dive. Let's talk about every album. Let's go through Bowie's career. Let's dive in. Let's have some fun. Let's dance. For once, let's have some fun. Let's go. Oh, we can be heroes Just for one day his career as just a, li a little lad a little lad a little lad in London. in London yeah what do you think of the first album entitled David Bowie it's pretty good it's like a good start you know this is like a classic first album because you look at how he looks on the cover he looks like a fucking freak <laughs> he's got like the worst haircut ever yeah every song <laughs> sucks so hard I honestly, this I is definitely my least favorite of his albums. And not, it's, I don't think it's funny in like a goofy, look at how silly the 60s were. I think this is like bad for the 60s. Yeah, he has that song Laughing Gnomes on it. Where he's just like cackling and talking. Okay, about I gnomes. do like the Laughing Gnome song. We should play that. I'm a laughing gnome and you can't catch me. Said the laughing gnome. Well, I gave him roasted toadstool. All right, and you know, one of my favorite stories from this early period is the video clip which you can find on YouTube where he talks about being the head of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Long Haired Men, which I should probably join. I have long hair, I don't want people to be cruel to me. Yeah, I mean, people were like calling out insults to them on the streets, they were protecting he was so oppressed but that's where his creativity came from was the harshness of the working class british men who would see this androgynous little fool walking the streets <laughs> people would say to him darling can i carry your handbag which no one has said to me i think like that's that. kind of an outdated um insult for someone who has long hair yeah but something that i always like to look at with bands especially people like david bowie who have such a long and diverse career 
is the jump from album one to album two. Huge jump. I know that you probably don't listen to Metallica, but Metallica has one of the biggest album one to album two jumps in quality. I like both of those albums. But with David Bowie and album number two, which is also called David Bowie, but I think people call it Space Oddity, even though that's really not the name of the album, is a huge leap forward. I agree. I care for no one else but you. I tear my soul to cease the pain. I think maybe you feel the same. What can we do? I'm not quite sure what we're supposed to do. So I've been writing just for you. My review of it is even though it's still a little bit twee and a little bit British in a bad way, like kind of a twee, folky British vibe, it's a little bit away from like the Scott Walker kind of crooning sound and a little bit closer to like a Sid Barrett, early Pink Floyd, psychedelic kind of vibe. Yeah. I don't think Bowie ended up really going down the same road as them. He kind of got away from being super psychedelic and like mushroomy yeah he just made his own but this is a solid solid album it's really good there's a couple great songs on it but what is your favorite um i miss space oddity it's just like such a classic this is ground control to major tongue you've really made the great Yeah, I really like Janine. Janine is a really good song. You know, Space Oddity was played during the moon landing. Everyone probably knows that. I didn't know that. Well, I also really like Letter to Hermione. That's a great song. He was writing about his ex. There's that song, Memory of a Free Festival, which is kind of a cringe song, but I love the name Memory of a Free Festival. Yeah. It's like the most <laughs> hippie song title ever, which is weird because like, if you look at Bowie back then, he had really long hair and he wore a lot of like thick, heavy dresses. Like corduroy and vests. Like he was very hippie. This is like a very hippie era for Bowie. This is like pre-glam. This is like glam from hippie. And honestly, you can talk about the jump in quality. From album one to album two. Oh, yeah. You talk about the jump in quality from album one to The Man Who Sold the World three years later. Damn. Written by Bowie, not Kurt Cobain. We passed up on the staff. We spoke of was and when. Yeah, that's so weird how people always think that's a Nirvana song. Although, this is not a very popular David Bowie album. Yeah. Like, I think people don't even listen to these first three. They usually start at Hunky Dory. Like, if you were to go to not a real record store, like an Urban Outfitters or like a Best Buy, they would not have these. They would start at Ziggy Stardust or Hunky Dory. Yeah. I mean, Hunky Dory had a ton of hits on it. That's why I say that one. 
But this is a sick album. The title Ooh. track is really good. My the favorite. Superman is really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's about, I was going to say, that's my favorite one. Width of a Circle is a really good, good eight minute, it sounds like, really rock cool and roll live. song. This is the first, like, album that had any rock and roll on it. Yeah. And it's still a little bit twee and a little bit English. I love how you could just definitely see him evolve and develop through each album. <laughs> Hunky Dory is like serious David Bowie album one. It's like it'll always be one of my favorites just because like every song is just so good and so Bowie. I used to really vibe with this album hard. Like, I thought every song was really good, and I would just, like, blast through it on the way to school or something. I mean, Oh You Pretty Things, Clean Bitch, these are all great. It's good, but I feel like this is, like, the entry-level album. Like, I wouldn't listen to this today, because, number one, I played it out hard. Number two, it's a little bit too twee for me, even still. Um, there's a lot of, like, hero worship on this album. There's, like, the song Andy Warhol, and there's Song for Bob Dylan, which is a really good song. Knowledge comes with death's release. Oh. But this is kind of like, it's, it's like a serious come-up album. But the songs like Changes and Life on Mars, I mean, those are just so overplayed for me. Yeah. I try, I like really try to not overplay all the Bowie songs that I like, because I don't want to ruin it. That'd be the saddest thing. It's really hard when you start to get into David Bowie, because what we're saying is, you know, you can say, oh, I like David Bowie. Oh, I like the Beatles. Oh, I like, you know, whatever other band. But do you really know every album? Do you have a favorite song on every album that's not a huge hit? We're helping you. This is a guide to getting into David Bowie like a real fan. The Bowie family handbook. The Bowie family bond. <laughs> you want to join the David family? You listen to this you podcast. You send this you podcast. figure out your favorite songs on each album. Send it to us and tell us why. This is the perfect guide to getting into David Bowie. We are sharing... Topical, relevant discussions about his legacy. Mm -hmm. We're going album by album. Mm -hmm. We're telling interesting anecdotes. Mm -hmm. And we are still mid-episode, not even done yet. How many more albums do we have to go? We're on album four. We're in the very beginning. This is the very beginning of the episode, and I'm anticipating that over the course of the rest of it, we will get we're going to keep going album by album, yeah. and we're going to talk more and more about each record. And I think, especially for this episode, we're gonna get some money. Let's not forget about that. Wait. We're gonna get some money? I think so. I just, like, have that feeling. I kind of have that feeling, too. Like, we're not gonna outwardly say, uh, Venmo us. PayPal us. My Venmo is Mira Turkowitz. No. My Venmo is, that. you know, <laughs> at Dobbin-Turkowitz. 
I'm not saying that we're going to give our Venmo address because we're not. We're not going to no. do that. We, we did earlier as an example of what we're not going to do. I don't think that we're going to get anyone sending us money on maybe, there. Maybe, maybe. Well, we'll what if they did? how much work we did with this. If they did do that, if they ended up getting into That'd David really Bowie cool. and they sent us some money because be of it. Great. I mean, listen, we would donate it to the podcast budget. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It would go into the pod. It would, it would go towards us making more episodes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And when you think about it, you know, what could we be doing right now? Literally anything. What do we choose to do? Sit Not watch together. Arrested Development. Yeah, sit in the <laughs> attic and give a comprehensive Free instructional guide. handbook. Yeah, a, what, what basically is a free handbook. On can, how to listen to David Bowie, how to enjoy, how to enjoy David Bowie. Normally, you would have to pay a tutor for this information. We're giving it to you free. There's literally no one on earth who would do this for free except for us. Because we're a David family. If you could go onto the Apple Podcast app and search David Bowie album by album comprehensive listening guide with additional discussions on his acting career and effect on culture, perks yeah. of being a wallflower, mind period. Opinion. This is a one-of-a-kind episode. Sister mm -hmm. Power is a one-of-a-kind podcast slash internet radio show slash entertainment concept. <laughs> when you go down the line, that's what this is. This is an entertainment concept. Now, are you going to reward us for having a good idea and for having a successful concept, which many, or many people have told us is impressive, enlightening, educational, entertaining. Or are you going to just leave us dry? And can you Nothing. imagine what's coming? I mean, when I was Mira's age, I wasn't doing anything like this. I don't know what I was doing. I didn't. I, st I, I sat and I stared at the wall all I was day. just a baby. And I was like, what is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> everyone was, what is Sovin doing? What is, what is his deal? What is his problem? <laughs> what's wrong with him? <laughs> Mira's out here making podcasts already i've told you before i'll take you with me to the tonys i'll let you do that i mean i'm, I'm going for the egot Th that's this so, is step one that's egot so pretentious to say you're gonna win an egot i'm gonna win a tony that's all once I'll you get that's right the now. hard one to get <laughs> the rest are easy Nothing. you can get a grammy easily you can get an oscar <laughs> easily the tony is like because because it's really hard to do theater the costumes I'm going to make? Well, well, I think deserving. once you do costume design for a play, it's pretty easy to go to doing costume design for an Oscar and an Emmy. What's hard at that point is getting the Grammy. Is there a costume design Grammy for, like, someone's stage costumes? If there was one, I bet David Bowie would have won one. He, he should have won, like, a costume design award. He should have won a Lifetime Achievement Award. Because, listen, I we need to talk more about his costumes. They're so cool. Sadly, it's a podcast, so we can't, like, show you. Well, you know what the important thing is? I think that while we're here and we're making this free, comprehensive listening guide to David Bowie's mm -hmm. life and work, maybe when we get to a segment where you think of a good costume he wore, we can stop and talk about it. But in addition to that, I think we should just keep going. And as we talk about the albums, we'll also talk about his impact on culture and we'll talk about, you know, funny anecdotes. Funny little trivia. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give a little trivia. Little stories. I think that would be cool. I feel a rock, I feel a 
Mr. Power.